Before we start this show, just a word from our sponsor. 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest that pro wrestling has had to offer. Along with their awesome line of pro wrestling apparel, they do offer many services. In the world of wrestling, there are hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads. Don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. If you would like to discuss possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or whatever, drop them a line. Go to 20 by 20 apparel. That's the number 20 X, the number 20 apparel.com. Now let's get to the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bum me, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laughing, yelling one of those. You see me shining like a suit on puppy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kids, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And on Fresh of the Word, we like to deliver wisdom through great stories from the minds of bright creatives of pop culture. Through those stories, we like to dissect the journey of our guests and present actionable lessons and advice for our listeners, no matter what career or avenue of artistry they pursue. And before we get into this episode, I want to give a shout out to Knox Money, Bang Belushi, and Foulmouth for the theme music for Fresh of the Word. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can always go to freshofthepodcast.com and just share any of the links for any of the episodes on any of your social media platforms. And also, you can subscribe to Fresh of the Word pretty much anywhere that podcasts are streamed. And that includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, pretty much everywhere. And please, rate and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It would definitely help out the show. If you want to contact me, you can always reach me by email at djkfresh at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at kfresh is the word and on facebook at facebook.com slash kfresh and you can also follow fresh is the word on twitter at fresh is the word and that's is with iz instagram at fresh is the word podcast and facebook at facebook.com slash fresh is the podcast and this is episode 146 the guest for this episode is james the human furnace bullock vocalist of the cleveland-based metal hardcore band ringworm have a new album out this week, Death Becomes My Voice on Relapse Records. 
This weekend, the band will have a trio of album release shows in Ohio and Michigan. On May 3rd, they'll be in Mansfield, Ohio at Belcher's House of Rock. On May 4th, they'll be here in Detroit, Michigan at the Sanctuary. And on May 5th, they'll be in Cleveland, Ohio at the Fantasy Nightclub. Those dates will also be in the show notes for this episode at FreshOfThePodcast.com. During our conversation, we talked about the new album, the history of the band, how he balances the multiple bands he's in, the songwriting process, being a tattoo artist, and other art forms he does, and why heavy music is so important, among many other things. All right, let's get on to the interview with the Human Furnace from the band Ringworm. Um, yeah, to start things off, uh, you guys have a new album coming out, Death Becomes My Voice. Uh, I was just listening to it. Man, it, pretty, it rips, man. I love it. Thank you. Cool. Like, um, you guys are, you know, 30, you know, Ringworm is 30 years in now, and you have this new album coming out. What was sort of, you know, going through your mind when you were, uh, you know, starting to write and record this album? <clears throat> well, I mean, after we finished the last one and did all the touring for that one, we we already kind of knew we were going to do another one. I mean, when you get to this stage, I mean, it's almost 30 years, pretty, pretty fucking close, I guess. Um, you know, you, you've got to, you know, you got to sit back and think like, well, do we, do we want to keep doing this? You know? And it was a really simple answer. I mean, we were just like, yeah, of course we want to keep doing it, you know? So let's, let's do another record, you know? So, um, yeah, as soon as we were done with that, Matt was already, Matt already had material for this new record. Um, in mind, uh, uh, like at least a framework of something for the new record um, before we even done touring with the last for the last record. So, um, yeah, when we finished all that all the touring for that in like 2000, I guess 18, uh, he was already he already had started writing. So, um, it was a pretty quick process. I mean, it takes it took a little bit to get out because you have to go through all the protocol putting on a new record. Um, so the record was in fact done like months and months and months and months before it gets released, which is like with any record, you know? So, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we, uh, we had a, we had a pretty good head start on it before, uh, we were even done with the touring for the last record. At this stage in your career, um, whether it's with ringworm or anything else that you're involved in. You know, are you just constantly, you know, working on new stuff or, you know, what, what's your regular yeah. protocol? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, besides Ringworm, I do another band too called Gluttons and that band is quite busy as well. So, I mean, between Ringworm and that other band and all the shit ton of other stuff that I do, I'm personally, I'm just constantly busy around the clock, like forever. <laughs> <laughs> so... There's not too much downtime as far as anything like creativity or any like uh, productivity as far as like artistically goes. So um, it's there's never 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 really seems to be any downtime between any projects, whether it be, you know, once we're done with the ringworm thing, we're working on glutton stuff and then we're working on ringworm stuff at the same time. And then there's all the other shit that I do. So it's it's constant. Never how, bored. Right, right. How do you sort of balance all that? You know, how do you make sure that you doesn't you don't get burnt out? You know, all these years in 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 music. Uh, you know, that's a pretty good question. I mean, sometimes you do. I mean, I guess it all boils down to just doing what you love to do. You know, like the the old standby is, is you know, if you do a job that you don't 
you know, do a job that you love and you never work a day in your life. Um, I guess that kind of rings true. I mean, we still love doing what we're doing. So it's like, you can get burned out on the touring and all like the, all like the technical shit that goes with, you know, putting out a record and, and uh, promoting it and all that stuff. That stuff gets old sometimes because you've been there, done that, but you, you know, you, you know what you have to get done to get a record out and, the writing process can also, also that could be kind of grating and grueling at times, but it's the end result that like you feel, you know, you're like, yeah, that was all worth it. So you, you do get burned out, but you know, you can take it all in stride and kind of, you know, at this stage, you kind of know what you're in store for when you go to put out a record. Yeah. Even, you know, having the knowledge of what you need to do, how do you get through that grueling process of songwriting? Uh, you know, I like for me, like I'm the last person to get to hear or get the material because Matt, Matt will write stuff and he runs it past our drummer. It's I, I mean, our writing process is really simple. Um, <laughs> you know, Matt will work on songs on his own time. And then when he has stuff together, he'll run it past our drummer. They work on it. Um, I sometimes I'll hear what they're working on before, you know, in the early stages and Occasionally I have a, you know, maybe a request or uh, some type of change, you know, like maybe make this part slower, maybe do it a few more times, you know, stuff like minor stuff like that, you know, or even before the writing process is over, I'll be like, hey, let's let you write a couple more slow songs or write something that's super fucking fast or, you know, I'll have some suggestions like that, but I don't usually hear the material until in its final form until it's actually recorded so they go record and and by then i may have heard a few things and i start to get vocal patterns and ideas for stuff and start plugging in ideas that i've had lyrically into certain songs but um when it's recorded i'm the last person to get it so um usually everybody's waiting for me uh which is not out of the ordinary but the last person who gets it usually is the guy holding the bag and holding everything up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, for, for me, the, the, I guess the, the vocal process is, it's pretty grueling. Uh, you know, it's mentally taxing, physically taxing. Um, it's not a particularly fun thing for me to do, you know, right. because it's, it's just rough. I mean, because I mean, the way I approach every record and every song is kind of like, you kind of pour yourself into it you know it's not just phoned in lyrically and you kind of gotta you gotta work at that you know you gotta dredge up you know bad memories good memories and kind of you know um do your best to work them into the song and 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 you know to come up with a, a product that's honest and original and raw and you know uh heartfelt so it, the 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 vocal process could be well, you always is pretty grueling. So you, when it's done, it, it's quite the relief for me <laughs> and for everybody else because finally I'm done with my vocals and then we can move on. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, kind of extending on on the vocal process, you know, once everything <clears throat> is sort of written and recorded and it's, you know, time for you to sort of take over and do the vocals, you know, what's, you know, what's sort of going through your head? You know, what do you hope to to really accomplish during that time? Well, it, it's, it's pretty strange. And it's, and, and this, I would imagine could only happen, um, to, to a band or a vocalist or, or, you know, however you want to look at it, 
that that has been doing this for quite a long time. You know, you have a you have a a, a long period of time to look over and and find um, consistencies in how things work. And and for me, I, I don't know what it is, but when it's time to do a new record, shit always fucks up in my life. <laughs> so I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a snake eating its tail. Maybe my life gets fucked up because I'm still in a band and <laughs> that's what, you know, it's, it's almost sometimes I'm like, everyone's like, why are you so mad? I'm like, cause I'm in a band. That's why I'm mad. <laughs> you know, you know, or what, you know, why are you in a band? I'm like, well, cause I'm mad. That's why. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, so it's like a snake eating its tail sometimes because doing this for so long and even doing it not a long time, it like this, this type of stuff like takes its toll. Like you make a lot of sacrifices. You do a lot of shit that you know, changes your life and fucks up your life sometimes, you know, and holds you back from, you know, re you have real life problems. And the older you get, the, you know, the more responsibilities you have outside of outside of your band, you know, and, and it's particularly true with bands that, you know, like ours that don't really, we, you know, we don't make a living off the band. You know, we do okay, but, you know, obviously there's bands that tour, you know, 250, 260 days a year. And we don't do that. You know, we all have, we all have life and jobs outside of this. And, um, so that, that kind of, you know, to continue to do the, to, to do this, uh, at our level, it's, it's still a tremendous amount of sacrifice to do it, you know, because that's just how, you know, how the music business is. So, and, you know, and I guess in a way too, that kind of keeps us grounded. We don't do anything that we don't want to do. We don't change our style to, maybe fit in or to sell more records because we've got to make X amount of money or, you know, so in a way that's a good thing, you know? So uh, I kind of forgot where we were going with this one of the question, but, um, no, that's good. Yeah. So, so there's that. Um, I don't know if I answered your question or not. Oh, no, no, no. It's basically it. trailed off. <laughs> no, it's all good. But, um, you know, you kind of mentioned it, you know, during the answer, like, why, you know, why do you still do a band, let alone two bands, you know, after all these years? That's pretty, I mean, I'm a lifer, you know, and most people that pretty much everyone that I'm in bands with is lifers too. You know, you, and it's, it's just a really simple answer. I mean, we enjoy doing it. You know what I mean? It's not like it was never our job. It was never, um, it always started as just for me personally, it always started as just a release, a way to fucking scream my balls off about stuff that pissed me off or the way I was feeling about stuff. And that's never really changed. So that's, that's one reason why, you know, I continue to do it and, and everybody else, we just have fun doing it, you know? And, and I think we're still really fucking good at it. So, yeah, you know, that helps, you know what I mean? That helps like mentally, like wanting to still do it. You know, there's still people that appreciate what we do and all that stuff. So, you know, it's, it's just for the love of doing it. Everyone's just kind of lifers. It's, it's, a, it's anyone that's been in a band for, for many years, you kind of know what I'm talking about. You just kind of, it's just something that you do and you can't ever see, you can't ever see not doing it. You know, I mean, hell look at even, you know, even on an amplified stage, if you look at guys like even Ozzy and even, like Motorhead and stuff like that, guys that have been doing it for 40 years and all this stuff, and people are like, well, why don't you quit doing it? You're so old. It's like, why? You know, why stop? And there's no reason to. It's what you do, and you just continue to do it because, you know, right. 
you just have, you have fun doing it. It's just, it's just kind of gets ingrained in the person that you are, you know? Right. Before uh, Lemmy passed, you know, people would ask him why he doesn't he just retire. And he was like, why? Yeah, there's no point. I mean, it's, <laughs> what's he going to do? I mean, for a guy like that, what, what was, what's he going to do? Settle down and go golfing every day. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, there's no point, you know, it's what he does and he did it till the day he died. And that's, that's pretty awesome. You know, I mean, some people can look at that as sad. I'm sure he did not. He just did what he wanted to do. And for his whole life, you know, for most of his whole life, you know, so, you know, it's, um, it's like I said, it's just something that you feel like that you need to do. And even if like ringworm stopped doing stuff, I, I'm sure I would start doing something else. You know, I've already, like I said, I'm in another band that does stuff when ringworm's not doing stuff. So it's like, I don't know, maybe too dumb to quit, I guess, or just, you don't know, you know what I mean? You don't, uh, I don't know. I, I can't see stopping and I can't see anyone in my, in my band just like being like, Oh, you know, I'm not going to play music anymore. <laughs> you know, that would just be, that would be an insane thought. Is there anything outside of music that you do? Because I did uh, read that you are a tattoo artist and you do other artwork. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. Yeah, that's kind of that's my bread and butter, really. I've been a tattooer for uh, just as long as I've been in Ringworm, close to thirty years. So I I own a couple tattoo shops here in Cleveland, Ohio, two fifty two tattoo. So that's that's where I put a lot of my focus because that's you know that's how I earn my living, and that that actually kind of gives me the, the support system to continue doing the band as. Because the band, you know, the band itself is not, you know, we could make, put it this way, we could make a living off doing the band, but it wouldn't be a very good living, you know? We yeah. would be sleeping on couches and probably none of us would have vehicles, you know? So it's <laughs> like, it's one of those things. So the tattooing, in a way, it's given me a career and a living, and it's also uh, allowed me to continue doing the band financially. So, um, but I, yeah, I do that. I do album covers. I do graphic designs. I own two t-shirt companies. Um, I'm a landlord. I, I, you know, it's <laughs> I do all types of stuff. So um, yeah, I'm I'm spread pretty thin. I wear a lot of hats, but like I said, I'm never bored. I'm always doing something. Yeah, I you know there's a I was listening to this one other podcast, and this and it was a podcast basically about like you know business professionals and like you know getting you know m making better use of your skills and this one episode was about you know having that job or whatever that sort of and thinking and thinking about it as lending itself to your arts so you know your right. tattoo shop and whatever else lends your lends itself to the creative process of the bands you do and it brings like much more freedom to your art you know how do you feel like you're able you know, is there any sort of, you know, sigh of relief or freedom you have with your music because you have these other things that can give you a little bit of a, uh, financial security? Uh, well, a little bit. I mean, um, on the art front uh, outside the band, I mean, the, the, as far as like, the career choice I took, there was never much choice for me. I mean, it was I've always drawn. I've always been, I guess, an artist. So. There was never any doubt what it was that I was going to do for a living. I mean, there was, I mean, of course I've done odd jobs here and there, but it was always art that was going to be the thing. So I had to figure out a way to um, use that and, and as a way to make a living, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough go at it, you know, 
Well, that's why there's the term starving artist. You know, you <laughs> don't usually hear starving plumber or starving electrician, you know? So, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, it's a tough go at it. And tattooing just and at the time when I started, tattooing wasn't nearly, wasn't nearly as accepted or I guess popular uh, as it is now, as it is these days. So um, it was a still a, 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 a quite a, a risk to go into that field. I mean, I started getting tattoos. I started drawing other people's tattoos. And then eventually, you know, an artist that I used to go to uh, was like, why don't you just start tattooing? You're doing everything else. So that kind of led me into it. And a few of my peers had started doing it. So, you know, the, that that part, once I got into that, I knew that was the way to go. Um, and that's ne- that's always up and down. That's never been like, you know, easy street by any means. So, but uh, fortunately for me, when Rigmore first got together, um, we broke up for like eh, maybe two or three years. And at the beginning stages of the band, when you're so young and we we did really well when we first came out, you know, things kind of kind of fell into place pretty easily and then um we were doing pretty well so you know when frank our original guitar player left and the band ended right there that was kind of a wake-up call for me to like you know what music is not you know you have a very small chance uh, statistically of you know making it you know quote unquote in the music business you know so any dreams of rock starism were kind of squashed that minute. So I kind of realized, you know, I need to do something with my art because this is what's going to make me have a career at this, you know, it's not going to be a band. So, you know, fortunately we did break up for that small period of time. And that allowed me to kind of get my life together on the other front, you know, outside of music. And then when the band got back together, uh, fortunately I, you know, I, established myself and my business enough to uh continue touring and you know get back into the band heavily you know um and still have a job you know and still have a way to earn a living so it's it's been it's like i said earlier it's um you know it, it it's allowed us to not have to take any musically any shortcuts or any or compromise in any way um, because it's not something that we, you know, because a, a lot, let's put it this way, a lot of bands to uh, sustain a certain level of popularity or record sales or money earning, they have you have to compromise sometimes and maybe change with the times, yeah, you know, to stay at a certain level, and and that's all that's all good, that's all well and good, and there's nothing wrong with adapting your style or changing or, you know, being like, you know what, uh, we're going to try something, this and trying new things and experimenting with different sounds and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, there is a, a little footnote to that because sometimes you have to change purposely just to stay with the times and a lot. Of, and we've all seen it with a lot of bands that when they change, it's obvious and it's awkward and they're only doing it is maybe a cash grab or just a way to stay, relevant you know and to say a certain level yeah and we've never had to do that not that we're a mega band you know we've just been able to continue doing what make making the music that we like to make and we don't have to worry about like oh geez how many records are we going to sell or 
are we going to make X amount of money? And all that stuff's nice if you can get it. Yeah. You know, we're not opposed to that, you know, because money is pretty fucking cool. <laughs> but we've never really felt any pressure to be like, well, we've got to make this next record a little more palatable, or maybe I shouldn't be so fucking mad on this next one. Or, <laughs> you know, maybe, you know, maybe I should try to incorporate some clean vocals or, <laughs> Hey Matt, you know, Hey Matt, maybe get out of the fucking eighties and don't write, <laughs> you know, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? But none of us have ever felt any pressure to do anything that we just didn't like to do, you know? So, and because of that, you know, you, you say what you will, but I mean, we've always stuck to what we do the best. And over time, I think people appreciate that because you kind of know what you're going to get. And that's, you know, you get a good, you know, we like to think that you get a kick-ass record every time. And it's kind of like, you know, I've heard people say, well, you guys are kind of like a one trick pony, you know? And I'm like, well, it's a pretty fucking good trick, you know? <laughs> right. So it's like, that's fine. I'll keep doing, you know, it's like you wouldn't want to hear Motorhead change their sound. You wouldn't want to hear Bolt Thrower change their sound. You know, they right. do what they do, and they do it really well. So why feel the need to change it? You know, so we kind of feel the same way, and we've and because of out, you know, because the band is not our living, we've never felt any pressure to change. How about that for an answer? That's pretty good. Yes. With all these, you know. Well, while establishing yourself as an artist and a tattoo artist outside of music, what did you learn in those avenues that sort of helped you in the music industry with the bands that you're a part of? Well, one thing, I mean, being like when we first started, things were, I mean, the music business and even in the short period of time, relatively, I mean, if you, if you look at, you know, you say almost 30 years and that is a long time, but, um, in in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's still not that long, you know, but, um, we've always been in control of our artwork and our merchandise and, and kind of the way we're portrayed aesthetically, you know, yeah. we don't really let like, we never really let like a label be like, okay, we're going to brand you guys as this, or, you know, can you guys, you know, look a little prettier, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like it, we've always had, uh, and I'm a control freak as far as like aesthetics go and the artwork and how we're kind of represented uh, artistically. Yeah. So um, I guess uh, what I've learned, I mean, for, I mean, a lot, I mean, I'll say this, uh, unfortunately for us, because a lot of bands, great bands, uh, don't really, uh, they have a concept of what they want to do and how the, the type of band they are. And they know what they like, but there's no one inside the band that really, you know, they have to outsource for artwork or for aesthetics or anything right. like that, you know. Fortunately for us, because it is expensive to type to do that stuff, because I'm on the other side of that as well when bands come to me for artwork and stuff, and that stuff costs money. Whereas a band like us, I do I do all our stuff, and of course I do it for relatively nothing, you know, just for you know, the love of doing it. So I kind of appreciate, um, you learn to appreciate, uh, I guess all the aesthetics and artwork that comes with the band in itself. You know what I mean? Your t-shirts, your album covers, your, your ads, pretty much everything, you know, like being on the other side of 
uh, of that. I could kind of, um, I don't know. I kind, I kind of, um, we're fortunate that I could do a lot of that stuff for the band, you know? So, uh, that's one plus that being an artist kind of gives, gives us in that respect, you know? Uh, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. That's, <laughs> I kind of trailed off again, but as a person like you, like like yourself, that has all these different ta- talents that can bring to the table, you know, for your bands and the bands that you work with, you know, what sort of advice would you give to you know anybody listening to this episode? You, you know, it doesn't right. matter what they do, what sort of avenue of artistry that they're in. Um, what sort of nugget of knowledge from your life that could you uh, you know give to someone that they could uh, project to their own life? Well, I mean, I think it all comes with one of the bases is you've got to like what you're doing. I mean, I know plenty of artists that are exceptional artists. I mean, they're they're fantastic, and they're they're doing they're working in a field um, that's boring to them, or they're doing you know regular commercial work and stuff that pays the bills, which is fine because I mean you know. You want to be an ad person and stuff, but but in real life that you're an exceptional artist. You, I mean, so, you know, it helps tremendously if you really love and you're passionate about the work that you're doing. I mean, it's hard to get passionate about, you know, if you're just working at an ad agency making ads for, you know, or doing greeting cards or something like that. Whereas it pays the bills and that's fine and you're in the art field. Sometimes you're just genuinely not satisfied in life, so... I mean, one, I'd say mainly you need to love what you're doing. Two, um, shit, I forgot what I was going to say, too. It's pretty good. I forgot. <laughs> um, yeah, you, I mean, you need to love what you're doing, and you need to have a little ball sometimes and be willing to take chances as far as, like, you know, like I said, I, I've, I have a couple personal friends that quit very stable, very good creative field jobs to go out and do and, and tackle a, try to have a go with it at their passion, you know, like whether it's fine art or they were sculptors or something, whatever it is, you know, it takes, it, it takes a lot of balls to kind of, especially when you get older too, when things get, you know, a little more serious when you're not like, you know, and you're, if you could do this when you're in your twenties and you're, and you, you know, you've got a little more, you know, fuck the world type, uh, <laughs> attitude you know what i mean which you usually do when you're younger because things aren't as don't, don't seem as permanent or as serious when you're younger but you know i know a lot of people that have quit very very good jobs to do to make peanuts and and go back to eating bologna sandwiches every day because you know they they were just so unsatisfied and you know they may not be they may be making one third the money but they're way happier so you got to love what you do you got to have a little balls to kind of go after what you want. Um, and this is all in general talk too, you know, so whether it's musically or art, you know, artistically, you, those are two important things you got to do. And, um, outside of that, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a crap game. It's a, it's a gamble with everything you do. You just got to be tough and stick it out. And, and obviously you've got to work your ass off, you know, I mean, in this day and age with the way, um, social media is and marketing yourself and all that stuff. It's, it's a tremendous and because the market is so open and everyone has a forum to display what they're doing, whether it's musically or 
you know, or artistically, it's, 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 it's a huge, it's a lot bigger the the world's a lot bigger than it used to be, especially with social media, you know? Right. So, I mean, and I'm from an older generation where I didn't have to do any of that. It was all kind of old school, you know, work ethic and stuff like that, which I still have. Cause you know, you look right now and a lot of artists spend probably 70%, 70 to 75% of their time promoting themselves whether it be through Twitter or through Instagram or through this and that, you know, they spend 75% of their time on that as opposed to actually doing work, you know, making, making a product, you know, they're more concerned with selling themselves than doing the work, you know, and that, unfortunately, you know, that's, that's a bad part of social media because you look at it and like, wow, I've got 200,000 followers, but, you spend all your time doing that instead of just, you know, rolling up your sleeves and doing work. You're, you know what I mean? So it's a weird scene out there. Sometimes I don't get it or, you know, or even if I do get it, I don't even care, you know, <laughs> kind of stuck in my ways, you know, right. But it's, it's, it's a weird field. Art's a weird field. This, this, you know, but you got to trust your talent, have a little guts and, and be, be willing to work your fucking ass off, do what you need to do. Yeah, coming up, you guys yeah. got a, a a few record release shows for "Death Becomes My Voice." You know, talk about those. Yes. Uh, well, the let's see the the day the record comes out, we're going to be playing um, a place called Belcher's Rock House. That's in Mansfield, Ohio, um, not that far away from Cleveland, but it's a it's a town that I don't think we've ever played before. They've been trying to get us there for a long time, and I think our guitar player says we have played there, but I don't believe him <laughs> i don't remember i mean but um i don't think we've ever played that city before so um it's a pretty small club but it's it's more like a real intimate thing so that's the day it comes out and uh who are we playing with on that uh, i think uh empire rats and a band called postal um more of like a kind of crossover hardcore bill on that one um, so that's that's looking to be pretty fun. I'm pretty excited about that. And that's the, that's on May 3rd, the day the record comes out. And then the following day, we are at Sanctuary in Detroit. Right. Um, that should be pretty fun. Detroit is always always a good time. We've we've got a lot of friends in Detroit. And a yeah, lot, I'll be at that know, show. Past... What's that? I'll be at that show. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, because I'm here yeah, in Detroit. Yeah. Oh, are you from Detroit? Is are you calling from Detroit right now? Yes. Oh, no shit. Okay. Well, yeah. Didn't didn't this uh, club used to be Paychecks? Um, I believe so. I haven't been to the Sanctuary since it's been the Sanctuary, but I believe so. Yeah, we played. I, I believe I was told we played this. Uh, we played this club before, but it was under a different name. So, yeah, that well, that should be pretty rowdy as well at Detroit. We haven't hit Detroit in a while, and when we do, it's usually it's, it could get pretty hairy, as most Detroit shows can. <laughs> so we're looking forward to that. And then on the Sunday, which is Cinco de Mayo, May 5th, we're going to be playing here in Cleveland um, with Noisem from Baltimore. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but they're younger band, young kids. Uh, they're a full-blown thrash metal, fucking raging thrash metal band. They're excellent band um so we got them coming up from baltimore we're gonna do 
And since it's a Sunday, we're going to do a matinee show, which is something we've experimented with before. I mean, of course, back in the day, matinees were a lot more uh, prevalent than they are these days, but they're pretty awesome. So we're kind of stoked. It's a Sunday. We're like, fuck it. Why do a late show on a Sunday? <laughs> right. We'll do a matinee. Yeah, a matinee is like at, usually at people that like a lot of the younger kids, you know, don't you know, matinees don't don't happen a lot, you know. Yeah. So usually after the show, everyone's like, dude, that was awesome. Like it's like six o'clock. I'm already at home. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's great that for like, good. <laughs> and it's awesome for like old timers that like, you know, have to worry about like you know getting to work the next day or getting finding babysitters and shit like that. Right. They're like, fuck yeah, like, I'm out of here. You know what I mean? So we're pretty stoked on that, and we're playing at a club here in Cleveland called the Fantasy Nightclub, and it's a pretty historical venue. It's been closed for many years now, and um, a local girl here, uh, Lisa, who owns the club across the street from it called the foundry, which does really well. She invested and bought into this, the whole fantasy complex, which includes the fantasy nightclub. And there's also the fantasy theater there, which has been closed for many years. But I, growing up, I've seen so many shows there, you know, Motorhead and Danzig and and Voivod. And like in the eighties, it was the place to go. It was a huge venue. And it, it went out of business or they just quit doing shows there. And it, it kind of, the, the whole building kind of ran itself down and she, she bought, she bought into the place and they just had an integrity show there a few days ago, last week, I believe. And, uh, as a reopening party and I, the, I haven't been there since they've got it totally done. Um, but it looks excellent. It sounds excellent. So a lot of people in town are excited to get back to that venue. Um, because Cleveland, uh, oddly enough, uh, well, not oddly enough, but over the years has never been short of venues. You know, there's always, you go, when you travel around to other cities, you kind of see that some cities are, you know, they're struggling with their scene, yeah. because, you know, their metal, their hardcore scene, because there's a lack of venues. You know, they'll open one up, it'll be open for two months, and then it closes. Or then they have to go to like, you know, YMCA's and, and just kind of like, or house parties, you know, and that really hurts the scene when you just simply don't have places you could play without, you know, cops showing up or mm-hmm. yep. all the other problems are, you know, all the state, you know, so Cleveland's always been fortunate. We've always had a staple of like a lot of places at any given time, there's five or six places you could do a show in town. And with the reopening of this place, it just really cements it as far as like trying to give bands a good place to play locally and bands coming in from out of town. So, um, plus the theater too is where we shot our last video, um, for acquiesce off the last record. So that was pretty cool being in the theater for the first time in like 15, 16 years for me. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. So we're pretty stoked on the Cleveland show. Awesome. Why, you know, um, after all these years, why does a, you know, a type of music <clears throat> like hardcore and anything sort of street adjacent to that still have such a good, like, underground following? Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'll say that just because, like, I guess as far as, like, you know, quote unquote hardcore, you know, I've never considered Ringworm a hardcore band. I mean, as strange as that sounds, we've always been branded as that because we've, I guess we've maybe always 
straddled stereotypes and, you know, growing up in Cleveland and kind of coming up in the hardcore scene as we did the first, you know, decade of our career, you kind of get, you kind of get branded into that mold. Whereas I always thought we were, you know, a hell of a lot different than bands like Madball or, you know, or any, you know, Judge, all those bands, you know, like to me, that was kind of hardcore. We've always had different aesthetics and a, a, a way more abrasive sound that was different than your normal, your average hardcore band. So, but as far as the, the, you know, so, so me commenting on the, I guess the longevity of it or, you know, is, is kind of skewed, but I mean, the hardcore to me, like the hardcore uh, scene, I guess is, is a youth scene. You know what I mean? That's why it's always changing. You know, it's met. If you go to a metal show, metal is usually always metal. You know, you see, it's it's not it doesn't seem weird when you go to a metal show and you see a sixty sixty five year old guy there right. enjoying the band. You know, everyone's like, Oh, that's cool, look at that old dude fucking banging his head rage and that's great. <laughs> now now if you go to a hardcore show and you see a sixty five year old guy there, people are gonna be like, Look at that creep you know? <laughs> like, look at this fucking weirdo, look at this creep old man. You know what I mean? And it's true, you've seen it. You know, you if there if you you feel like you're the old guy at a show when you go to a hardcore show, that's because hardcore is more or less it's it's a youth movement, you know? Hardcore is that's why it's always changing the you know, hardcore fifteen even fifteen years ago it doesn't sound like hardcore now. You know what I mean? It's 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 an ever changing kind of entity, but it's always based in, in the the youth of the audience. So I think that's why it's been able to stay, you know, it's uh, far, you know, and it's not so underground anymore because a lot of hardcore bands have broken out to become very popular, uh, very popular and very uh, successful. So, but I don't think that's ever really going to go away because it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a blend of all types of music, hardcore. So, you know, and it, it's ever changing, I guess, definition is what's going to keep it, keep it, keep it going strong. Because I mean, if bands never really changed and, and say, say bands still hardcore, you know, you sound like you said today and that's it, that's hardcore. You know, I, I think that hardcore would be a footnote if it never changed, you know? So the fact that it's able to change through different, um, you know, different, uh, uh, I guess, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll, that's why it's, it's able to stay the way it has and continue to grow. So that's my take on it. But where's metal and metal metal is metal is metal. It'll always be there for you, you know, and that usually the, you know, the restrictions on what that is, that's also loose, loose fitting too. You know, it's, it's, it's a changing definition, but metal seems to have a more firmer grasp on what it should quote unquote should sound like, you know, but that's why, you know, also that's why it's like, you have the expression, hardcore kid. You don't hear, <laughs> you don't rarely hear like metal kid, you know what I mean? It's metal heads or whatever, but hardcore kid is kind of says a lot in, in words. Cause it is a youth oriented uh, genre. Right. Right. I always like to end uh, my interviews from a podcast, uh, same question. And that uh, question is, who is somebody that's been a part of your life or career that I could realistically interview for this podcast that would have some good stories to talk about? Oh, well, shit. I mean, obviously, you could, if you could track him down, I would, I would say Frank Novinick, our, my 
one of my best friends and our original guitar player. He's uh, he plays in Hatebreed now. Yes, but uh, he would be. He's one of the. <laughs> he's one of the best guys I've ever met. He's fucking hysterical, and he has. He's got a really good take and an intelligent opinion about you know because the you know the what he's been through and the way he's come up and the success that he's been able to achieve musically he has a great perspective on just about everything because he's been at lower points you know yeah. obviously when we first started ringworm we were it was you know his his track record his pedigree is untouchable as far as i guess the hardcore slash metal scene is considered he's been in everything you know <laughs> yeah care and hate breed and integrity and ringworm he's he's done he's been there done that so his take on stuff is priceless you know yeah i actually so got to could, yeah if you can get an interview with him i you would you would not you would be very happy because uh he he's he's a encyclopedia of knowledge and he's really intelligent funny as fuck too. oh yeah so it'd be a good one i actually did interview him once at um at the warp tour but it was a short interview i would love to you know get him for an extended period of time well, they're out on tour right now, so I don't know if that makes it easier or not. Um, they may be coming through Detroit. So I'm they were just really in sure. Detroit last week. I went to the show. It was awesome. Oh, that's cool. Well, I know I just read that they're going back out again with uh, – they're going out with Dropkick Murphys and Clutch. Yes. So I don't know if that's going through your neck of the woods. I know it's not coming through Cleveland. They're going to be here in Cleveland oh, May 8th, I believe, on the, the – the second half of their 25th anniversary tour. So, right. Um, but, uh, yeah, maybe you could track him down and get a, you know, get a good hour out of him, and, you know, make sure you get some good questions loaded up. Cause he'll give you good answers. He would be my first choice. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's like I said, uh, exceptional, uh, knowledge about oh. stuff, you know, and he's, yes. he's been there and done that. Yeah. In the short time I got to interview him, he, he's, he's, he said a lot. So yeah, that's definitely yeah, bet, a good person. <laughs> All right. I bet he did. All right. It's been good talking with you. Uh, love everything you talked about. You know, where can people go online to get more information about Ringworm, the Death Becomes My Voice album, and any shows that you got coming up? Um, yeah, you could. I mean, obviously, you could go to our Facebook page. Like everyone's got one of those in the whole world. So you go to the Ringworm Facebook page. We keep we keep that uh, updated with all the all the shows and. Um, where they're going to be and what we're doing when we're doing them. Um, so that's pretty, or you could check uh, relapse for any release dates or anything uh, crazy we might be doing, or usually my own personal Facebook, James Bullock. Um, you could, I try to keep that semi, semi refreshed with uh, ringworm information and news on my page as well. So um, yeah, bottom line is if you want, you know, if you want to see us play, just, search us on the internet and you can find it, you know, cool. you can find what we're up to, but we put it out there. So it's, it's, it's there for you to find. It's there. Awesome. It's been great talking with you and I'll definitely see it. you at the, uh, at the Detroit show. Cool. Sounds good, man. I appreciate uh, the interview. So that was my interview with the human furnace vocalist of the Cleveland based metal hardcore band ringworm information about their new album Death Becomes My Voice, along with the full stream of the album, along with links to Ringworm's social media, are all in the show notes for this episode at freshthepodcast.com. 
All right, that's another great episode in the books. Thanks for listening. Goodbye and good night. Fresh is the word.